Good evening, brothers and sisters. How are you all today? Okay. Uh, so, we are Wednesday again. Have I shown you all a uh, calendar, teaching calendar? Uh, I think I showed the Thursday class. So, um, Let's see how this looks like. Okay, this one is uh, I transpose it so that it is uh, it is vertical. Because some somebody commented that it's not easy to read. Uh, okay, so we are now here. Where are we here? So today is the 1921. Today is 21, 21st of June, right? So we are here. So we have three more classes, right? Yeah. One, two, three. So, uh, yeah. And then over here, we have National Day. And then over here, uh, if we have a two week break, then we will end up, uh, like previously, we have a three weeks break because there's a national day break. Yeah. So I'm going to propose that we have no breaks here, then we have a national day break, then we continue with class. Okay? Yeah. So basically, we are just going to continue the next module, then there's a national day break, then continue. We may have a break here. Yeah, uh, it's supposed to be a trip to UK, uh, but it's not confirmed yet. Finalizing, so if it happens, it happens. If not, then we we'll continue. Okay. Yeah. Any any questions about the schedule? Yeah. This is Wednesday class. You know, the the one in the center. Okay. So this is the first number here is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. From Monday to Sunday. Huh? Huh? Still cannot understand. Vertical cannot understand. How? 12 July and 19 July. Huh? 12 July and 19 July. What happened? No class. Huh? 12 and 19. Huh? Oh, that's the old schedule, maybe. Yeah. But uh, uh, that means. Eh? 12 and 19 July. Uh? Is it? But we started. We're supposed to have 10 lessons, right? Uh, anyway, we are here. Uh, we will let you all know. <laughs> July, I'm not going anywhere. So, yeah. So, uh, 
Um, we are still at the wholesome uh, mental concomitants. We have gone through last week uh, the one for Jing Jing. Yeah. Uh, Jing Jing. Usually translated as either diligence or effort. And then we went through the different types of uh, levels of effort or diligence. Have we gone through Ching An serenity? We have enough. So today we go through this Ching An. So from last week, when we go through the <coughs> the different types of effort, uh, when y'all go back, did y'all uh, did y'all try out putting in effort? try observing catching yourself or or did you all catch yourself um, having wholesome thoughts having good thoughts or sometimes we have not so happy thoughts or not so uh, pleasant thoughts yeah. did you all catch that and then when you catch the, uh, yourself having um, unpleasant or not so much unpleasant but unwholesome, not so good thoughts, you all uh, do something about that. So how many of you have uh, wholesome thoughts last week? Okay. The rest of you didn't have any wholesome thoughts for the whole folk. <coughs> huh? Did you all have any wholesome thoughts last week? <laughs> Only two person. Then the rest? Four person. Then the rest? Do you have any wholesome thoughts last week? Not really. Not really, yeah. Uh. So, uh, when we, when over, when unwholesome thoughts arise, uh, if we manage to overcome it, his question is, then do we uh, ask ourselves the question, uh, how did these unwholesome thoughts arise? That's your question, right? Yeah. So, mm, uh, it depends. Yeah, it depends. 
uh, for start. Um, sometimes at a certain stage, we are not able to determine why or how it, it come about. Yeah. So the important thing is, even, even if you ask the question or you reflect upon it, um, if it's not too apparent, then for a start, maybe you want to just leave it alone first. Uh, the to see um, how or why unwholesome thoughts arise. Um, the moment you try to when uh, sort of think about it, uh, you are actually um, you are actually rationalizing it. Yeah, um, can be maybe. For, for a start, maybe that's the only thing we can do. But at a later stage, we should be able to recollect or observe the, the different mental states. Or sometimes it's not mental states. Sometimes it's the external trigger yeah, that were present before that thought arise. So when we say, um, how did the unwholesome state arise? It is not. Mm, it is not simply sitting down and then thinking. Mm, this unwholesome thoughts should be arising because of A, B, C. But rather, because you were able to recollect. And why would we be able to recollect? It is because while before there was even unwholesome thoughts, we were clear and mindful and conscious about the thought process. Mm. Okay? Uh, so it's, it's not so much an exercise to, to find out an answer, yeah, but should be a mere recollection. So, before we can even do that, or before we even do that, uh, we should be able to uh, while we are doing meditation, maybe at the end of the meditation or at any point in time, if you wish to, you could review the sequence of thoughts that you, you just had. should be able to do that. If you are able to do that already, then can you see how uh, later on, at some point, if you have unwholesome thoughts arise, then it's the same thing. You are just tapping on to this ability to recollect the sequence. Uh, huh? okay. just, hang on, uh. You understand? Uh, okay. So prior to even trying to do that for unwholesome thoughts, it should be training the mind to be clear and mindful of the of the whether it's the body or mind and so on. Uh, uh, not in particular unwholesome thoughts. Yeah, because usually we initial, at the initial stage we are overwhelmed by it yeah. so that's why it's not so clear okay uh, at some point <laughs> uh, at some point yes yeah. at some point it has it is probably linked to some external factors. <coughs> uh, but sometimes, the moment before we have the 
uh, unwholesome thoughts, it may not be that there was an, someone outside who was irritating you. Maybe that person irritated you yesterday, last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago. <laughs> so 10 years later, that person is actually you know, not irritating you. Uh, but when we happen to see something, something else, or think about something, and then recollect the incident, uh, then uh, that is the immediate trigger. So although that person having uh, irritated us in the past is a key factor, but the immediate, immediate condition that resulted in us having unwholesome thoughts may not always be an external person. Uh, so sometimes we are alone at home, sometimes we are in a train, nobody come and irritate us. And then we are sitting there, uh, then our favorite pastime. When we have nothing to do, then we replay Lian Si Ji. We have reruns, watch all the TV serial. Yeah? Uh, the main actor is me. <laughs> and then we go through all the events chapter 1, chapter 2, then suddenly and up the, the nature of our mind, the manner that our this uh, producer yeah, of this TV channel uh, very sporadic now play a bit of this then suddenly play a bit of that yeah. so we are quite happy with this this process, we are quite happy with this this uh, rerun producer because sometimes it allows us to just float around, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. And then uh, sometimes we think about happy things. Wow, so we are even happier with this rerun producer. And other times we just think about random things. Nothing spectacular, yeah. No Grammy Awards. But we also mm, support this process. Yeah, allow our mind to float around, float here, float there. So the trouble is, as long as you allow yourself to float around with respect to pleasant experiences, with respect to neither pleasant nor unpleasant experiences, you have reinforced this process. And because you have reinforced this process, this same process, when it happens, you cannot stop it. Unfortunately, this process can sometimes give you pleasant experiences, sometimes give you neither pleasant or unpleasant experiences, sometimes give you unpleasant experiences. By right, we don't want it. Yeah. Unhappy experiences and memories, we don't want it. Then why do we always go and think about the un unhappy one? Uh, it's because we allow our, our mind to float around so much. So much so that when even when you see that ah you cannot the unhappy episode. This episode not so nice. I don't want to watch but cannot help it. Why? Because you already promote this T V producer to VP Vice President of your mind. He's fully in control. This is this is something that, so, uh, 
That's why for many people, if we just try to be mindful of unhappy thoughts, angry thoughts, it's quite an uphill task. Yeah. Uh, and as long as you, we are not dealing with the other two types of uh, memories and thoughts, <coughs> we are going to allow this, this process you know, floating around to perpetuate itself. Oh. So when we say um, effort last week, uh, the it is it is it is not just say oh let me go and meditate. Yeah, that is also effort, of course. Um, but to consider from moment to moment. Uh, currently, am I in a wholesome state? Currently, am I in an unwholesome state? And if uh, I'm in a wholesome state, mm. let me nurture this wholesome state. If I'm in an unwholesome state, let me remove the conditions for the unwholesome states. Let me direct myself to wholesome conditions that can lead to a rising of wholesome states. Which also means that, linked to your question, once you have identified those conditions that lead to unwholesome states arising, then uh, another thing to be mindful or to consider is what kind of conditions am I exposing myself to currently? Uh, because we are not enlightened yet. For Buddha, no problem. Buddha, whatever comes, even Mara come and whatever, he is able to just raise up his hand, Abaya. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> huh? But for us, uh, we're not there, quite there yet. Huh? Yeah, so, uh, before we even look at the unwholesome thoughts or wholesome thoughts, we should look at that also. But we, also, we should also consider, are we exposing ourselves to uh, conditions that is supportive of wholesome uh, states? Or are we exposing ourselves to conditions that lead to unwholesome states? Bearing in mind that some of these conditions or environment is not within our control. Uh, by the way, uh, we are at page 16. On page 16. So, <coughs> uh, so some students share with me, uh, but Shifu, uh, what if the conditions are work? Then, a bit trickier. Yeah. Because, can you say, oh, work is... The, my work, work environment is very stressful and a lot of people are very conniving they are always lying and then I also have to tag along and lie and you know, all kinds of things yeah. so if it's the job nature itself then it is under wrong livelihood yeah. if it's wrong livelihood then you must quickly run huh? <laughs> yeah but many times, most of us, our work doesn't have uh, unwholesome job nature. 
but it's the environment, it's the way you do your work. Oh. Yeah, so when we talk about um, effort, it is not simply about uh, going to a temple and then doing religious things, but from moment to moment, even because especially for uh, most of you, your life involves family and work, then occasionally temple. Family work, 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 temple. Family work, family work, family work, family work. <laughs> yeah? Uh, okay, okay. Let, let me be more, uh, you know, fair. Uh, family work, friend. Family work, friend. Family work, friend. Temple. Family work, friend. Family work, friend. Family work, friend. Family work. Want to go temple? Uh, do one, do one. Okay. Family work. <laughs> Even if you have this thought, hey, maybe I should go. Maybe later you, you change your mind. But at least you still have that thought. Of. Some people don't even have that thought. So you should ask yourself, what was the condition that uh, supported you to have this thought? Ah, let me go for a Dharma talk. Let me go for a Dharma class. Let me go for a retreat. Mm. The funny thing is, uh, recently in the retreat uh, quite, a, quite a few participants shared that the reason why they signed up for the retreat was because they were having a bad time at work and then <laughs> I remember <laughs> they, were, they were sharing yeah. so this, this is what the Buddha described the Buddha said there is suffering in this world if there is no suffering there will be no Seeking of liberation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so moment to moment, yeah, to consider. And then uh, in in a way the whole our whole life is all about conditions. Yeah, our whole life is all about conditions, setting up the conditions. Our work is all about putting in all the conditions and then waiting for it to happen. Yeah, is all. It's, it's all about that. Whether it's our family, our work, or our personal life with friends and so on. It's all about that. And then including our cultivation. So if you manage to do that, if you manage to consistently uh, tune yourself such that unwholesome states uh, the conditions for unwholesome states uh, are avoided or adjusted or removed then unwholesome states don't arise or if you somehow encounter and then give rise to unwholesome states then uh, you manage to make adjustments either internally or externally such that the unwholesome states reduce and decline yeah and then wholesome states increase and or, or arise and increase. And then over time, uh, if you then apply that effort while you are meditating, then at some point you have Qing'an. <coughs> so what is this Qing'an? Uh, let's take a look. Yuan Li Chu Zhong Tiao Chang Sen Xing Kan Ren Wei Xing 
对治昏沉，转一为业。嗯、so this uh this phrase should be quite familiar if you uh if you practice meditation. Yeah. Um. This is interesting. Ah,、uh, how come I'm under the impression that we have gone through this before? Qing An. Because I remember mentioning about serenity. Or tranquility, at least the first part, right?、Yeah. Or first, first few lines,、yes. right? Yeah. Because I mentioned about the other word, tranquility. Yeah.、Oh. So this uh, 粗重粗重指无所堪能的不调柔相啊，游离粗重，身心调畅，轻松安稳，称为。清安、yeah, ，so I think we stop around here. Then there were questions that came. So what is this 粗重 Uh, in our translation, we trans translate as uh grossness, yeah, or gross heaviness, yeah, grossness. Uh, not the what disgusting gross, ah,、uh, uh, but it means. Grossness. That means, so it's describing how the the state of your body and mind is not conducive for cultivation. Yeah,、uh, and can be、uh, as can be literally felt that you are sluggish. Yeah, that your body is sluggish and heavy. Feels heavy, yeah. And I think last week I mentioned about how it's not that the person is literally heavy, yeah. Can be the person can be forty fifty kg, yeah. Can be very light, but he feels sluggish. Or can be a person can be hundred over kg, hey, but don't have this problem, yeah. Don't have grossness, yeah. So then, what is the、um, what is the benefit? What So what if you have、uh, grossness? So what if you have no grossness? When your body has that heaviness or grossness, then、uh, <coughs> your your mind is not malleable. You we we tend to、uh, not conduce towards wholesome states. And if you want to meditate,、uh, leg pain lah. If not pain, then drowsy lah. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of problem. Uh, so all this collectively is called 粗重 heaviness.、Uh, then、uh, the opposite. Yeah, here is talking about the opposite. Yuanli、uh, 粗重 So if a person has serenity or tranquility, then it's far from and is free of this heaviness. Yeah.、Uh, if you had attended some retreats or you meditate on a regular basis. And then you may find that oh, initially, well, when you sit,、uh, as I said, leg pain, <laughs> back ache, all kinds of problem. But if you persist, if you persist, and give you all a small tip, <laughs> try not to move.、Mm. I know that in my class, I always say if you need to move, you can move. Yeah, but you must 
at least try not to move. But it doesn't mean oh, tense up your whole body. There's a difference between not moving versus tensing up. Yeah, don't tense up, but at least try to stay still for a while. If you can stay still for a while, for a few sessions, then, then you can feel, you can really feel your breath. Then you can really uh, observe this very subtle movement of the body. And sometimes you, someone reported to me during the retreat, Sifu, uh, at some point the breath becomes so quiet, I, f- I can feel my, my heart beat. And in, that, in a sense, it's actually not just the heartbeat, it's the, it's the pulsating of the whole body, you know. Yeah. You can actually feel the whole body pulsating. So there are two, two things pulsating. One is the breath, the rhythm, and then your, your, your whole body. You can feel your whole body. So you, you need to keep, keep quiet. Not just the mind, not just your mouth, but your body. Keep still, meaning keep quiet. Keep quiet of the body means you don't, don't, a bit itchy. <laughs> uh, itchy, itchy. Yeah, you must bear with it. So if you have, if you have done this for a while, then suddenly your body feels like eh, you are you are not having all these problems anymore. May not be a long period, huh? maybe just a few seconds, maybe a few minutes. And maybe after that it never happened again. <laughs> yeah. Ah. So uh, a bit of that is due to this serenity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but one thing to, to take note: uh, this this uh, Qing An, uh, there are some technical definition to it. Okay. In some texts, it states that you only have this when you attain first jhana. Okay. In some texts. Uh, but in other texts, it says that uh, even before you attain first jhana, when you are close to it but not there yet, you start to experience like wave of it. And so it's not stable. Yeah, not stable. So don't get your hopes high. Oh, I got first jhana. <laughs> uh, first jhana should be fairly stable. If you if you experience it and then you bounce off, then close, but not not there yet. Okay. So. Um, <clears throat> so when you have this then you are able to uh, overcome the mind and body uh, that irregularity uh, and also the mind becomes malleable and last week I mentioned about the word malleable it's like ah yeah, yeah. our mind is sometimes so so it cannot move yeah. including sifu sometimes my mind is oh so if we if we uh, do more practices then eh, the mind becomes more flexible um, but it's not just doing meditation actually you do all kinds of practices it actually helps including reading Dharma books so if you do some practices for a period of time but your mind don't become more flexible you, you don't feel serenity then you have to maybe go and consult your teacher that you are doing that practice uh, whether the way you do it and the mindset of doing it is correct uh, because all the different practices they they complement each other 
and they help us move up in a different rate, you know, with some emphasis more on this and that. But they should move us forward. So if you do some practice, do do do, do but the more you do, you, the more the more your mind becomes inflexible, then you have to maybe do some adjustment. So here um, it mentions further yeah, uh, that this serenity or tranquility, yeah, this qing'an, there are two types. So the first one, wu lo qing'an, and then the second is you lo qing'an. So um, previously in the past, I... I or rather in Mahana Buddhism sometimes this Yolo Ulo is referred to as Yofanao Mefanao. But uh, so I, last time I wrote undefiled and default. But actually this Lo Ulo um, I'm going to just use without flow and Yolo With flow. So, uh, this yolo and wulo is is actually a, a metaphor describing that if you have a an urn or a pot and you fill it up with water, um, by right it should be able to contain it, but uh, if instead there are holes, then everything inside will just come out. And the description is that it comes out, comes out what, comes out defilement. So the outflows lead to defilements, yeah. Uh, but it is uh, not just defilements. That's why they are actually slightly different, uh, slightly different. So, uh, so, um, <coughs> so uh, when we talk about Qing'an, so just now we mentioned about how Qing'an or tranquility or serenity, it overcomes the heaviness. Yeah? So over here, when we talk about this Wu Lo Qing'an, so there is a distinction between um, that which is uh, that which can lead to defilement and that which can which doesn't lead to defilement. Yeah. So here it says that um, for the uh, the the serenity that has that is without flow, that means it doesn't lead to defilements, yeah, arising of defilements. So what does it do? Chu so as far as the uh, the the part of the heaviness that can lead to defilements, uh, that part is removed. Yeah, all that is removed. You know? uh, so this uh, do you remember what is the sansing? What is the sansing? Actually, it's the san, uh, uh, 无忌, yeah. 
wholesome, unwholesome, and neither wholesome nor unwholesome. Or rather, the Uzi is actually talking about how um, it cannot be recorded as either one. Uh, sometimes translated as neutral. Uh. <coughs> so... So, uh, so here, very directly talking about fanau, yeah, directly talking about the defilements, yeah. yeah. So the earlier one actually includes uh, wholesome or unwholesome. Uh, and neither wholesome nor unwholesome. This one is the second one is purely countering the unwholesome one. Yeah. So, e ze ze chu zhong wei bu shan xing yi you lou qing an bu nen fu you lou shan ji wu ji shang ding zhang. Yeah. So, uh, I know a lot of you are like, what is this talking about? So, just now we mentioned about how grossness prevents us from cultivating. Yeah, so far so good. So we, we the the examples given earlier were, okay, when you want to meditate, you want to attain first jhana. Um, cannot meditate. Yeah, you have the five hindrances. You have uh, sluggishness, you have desire, you have hatred, you have unhappiness, all kinds of things. Yeah. And all these are uh, related to defilements. So if you attain first jhana, uh, when you attain first jhana, actually the five hindrances is suppressed. Yeah, it's suppressed. So uh, even if you attain to second jhana, fourth, third jhana, fourth jhana, fourth jhana is considered to be as far as worldly attainment is concerned, it is very more supreme. Yeah, fourth jhana. So, very high. But compared to nibbana, uh, it is still a problem. There's still gross heaviness. So even if you attain jhana already, or you attain the formless concentration, uh, that compared to uh, the nibbana, nibbana is definitely wulo, without flow. So um, for the for the grossness here, it describes one part which is uh, the vifanao, which is the earlier part. Then Another part, yolo, then wulo, there's no such, no problem. Huh? So the, the one that has yolo, so concentration considered to have still yolo, still with outflow. Although it's free of the earlier part, the, the problems from the earlier part. Uh, so there's this, this comparison. Uh, so this part here is basically highlighting this comparison. Yeah. <coughs> so san So 
This Yolo Chingan would refer to when we cultivate uh, and you, you actually attain first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, the various jhana, then you have this serenity, but it's still considered without flow. So it cannot be used to uh, overcome uh, the higher concentrations uh, obstacle. Uh, what is the obstacle? Over here it doesn't happen yet clearly uh, highlighted. What is the obstacle? When you have jhana or you have any kind of concentration, then it has a word called ai wei. You have craving for it. You will have craving for it. So when you have tranquility, when you attain concentration, uh, it's actually because of this tranquility that later on you have the craving, because of the bliss that you have craving. So the this serenity and tranquility that arise when you attain concentration cannot be used to overcome that craving. So it has still that limitation. And that's why it's under Yolo Ching An. Because it, there's, there's still a limitation. Uh, so, of course, the simple way to say this is ultimately you have to attain Nibbana. <laughs> yeah. Nibbana trumps everything. Uh, the, the first jhana trumps the grossness of, um, the grossness of sensual desire. Second jhana trumps the grossness of uh, applied and sustained thought. Third jhana trumps the grossness of uh, applied and sustained thought plus uh, the grossness of joy. Then fourth jhana trumps all that plus uh, rapture. Yeah. And so by trumping all, by overcoming all that, then you can have stability of the mind with equanimity yeah. so compared to all that well, this is actually very good but then when you have that uh, tendency is we would have craving for that so at each stage you overcome something but as a result of that you have something good and then you end up craving for it so the the tranquility that arises that allow you to overcome the previous state cannot be used to overcome your present state. Uh, this is this part is is basically trying to say that. So, um, up to the Wulo Chingan. So, so for for the uh, serenity without outflow, it can overcome all the different uh, grossness whether it's uh, sun or earth because when you have concentration that is actually wholesome right yeah, but that is still considered gross because it's not Nibbana yet it's still, it can still lead to problems in future because it still can lead to craving and attachment yeah. so only when you have reached uh, the serenity without outflow which is basically Nibbana then can you overcome uh, the grossness from the earlier stage to the middle stage to the uh, to everything uh, these two lines uh, 
ルカですかルカイもケナ。OK。OK。Think about the bad dress, huh? You, uh, if you look at this whole section, Chu Zhong grossness, right? Let me highlight here. There's the Yu Lou Chu Zhong. You notice that there's no Wu Lou Chu Zhong one. Uh. You can search high and low. There's no Wu Lou Chu Zhong, only Yu Lou Chu Zhong. Uh, okay? Because Wu Lou is, is purely about the unconditioned Nibbana. Okay, the, the one without outflow is actually uh, Nibbana. Okay, yeah, it's Nibbana. So, uh, I hope this can help you have a better understanding. Can I understand? Let's look at the rest of the text now. Then later, uh, if you all still have questions, we can clarify. <coughs> so, Maybe I jump ahead uh, because the following text. So, you saw your low ching and full each year, none something the uh the farm. So, this is what I explained earlier. Your low ching and so uh serenity split into two parts. Yeah, your low low without flow, without outflow. Okay, so the part that is without outflow. So the one that has outflow, it can overcome all those uh, all those things that can obstruct concentration. Yeah, which is why I mentioned about five hindrances earlier. Yeah. When you have serenity uh, arise in the concentration, uh, it overcomes the five hindrances. Yeah. So both of the Yolo and Wulo can do that. But the later part will explain that the Wulo part cover everything. But Yolo no uh. okay so so you saw so so it can change you from having hindrances to no hindrances because it can overcome it yeah so you choose so this is sort of going back to what is uh, what is grossness yeah this is Drowsiness and sloth. So, this is just an example of how drowsiness arises due to the grossness. And so, drowsiness is having no current sink. 
last week I used the word power or ability. Yeah. When you have uh, drowsiness or sleepiness, then your ability to do what you want to do goes away. Yeah. You just can't help it with your, your drowsy. Yeah. So, uh, so serenity is the opposite. It has uh, it is empowering. Yeah. When you have serenity, you can actually uh, you are unable. Then mm. so you can counter drowsiness. Yeah, and then from uh, removing drowsiness, then from there you can move on to uh, attain what. So step by step. First, you overcome drowsiness, etc. Then from there, other things. That's why just now I mentioned before you have concentration, first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana, and even the formless jhana. All this we talk about tranquility. Before that, no tranquility. So, so <coughs> this serenity it is not uh, all over the place yeah? because uh, only for the form and formless realm then do we talk about this serenity yeah? uh, in, other, in the sensual desire uh, state this doesn't exist now this doesn't exist This is with flow without flow. Uh, I should write Qingan. Uh, Serenity with flow, serenity without flow. So, um, then we have uh, so this, this can counter. Okay, so 
um, for the how do you call that uh, ulo. Let me see. Uh, let me let me see how I can write this. This is the Yolo Chuzong. Yolo Chuzong um, with the, what do you call it? Uh, this is called the um, grossness with flow. Oh, actually, the square is very big. <laughs> You all are wondering what I'm going to write here, right? Yeah. So this is. Okay, so. Defilements. Grossness. Okay. So far, so good. So, Wu Lou Qing An, so serenity without outflow can counter this one, can counter this one. Okay? Everything can counter. Yo Lou Qing An, counter this one. Doesn't counter this. So is it clear? Now then I explained to you earlier. So what is this? So um, before you attain uh, form concentration, first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana, we have five hindrances. You have all kinds of defilements. Yeah. So this one can counter those uh, grossness that is linked with defilements that obstructs us from attaining jhana. Yeah? This one can overcome it. But once you overcome it, then you attain first jhana. Then first jhana, oh, you, have, you have bliss and joy and rapture and whatnot. Um, so this itself cannot overcome the craving for this. Okay? Whereas, uh, so what is this? What is So, uh, this is actually referring to when you attain concentration and so on, uh, there is still attachment. Yeah. There is still attachment. Attachment to and craving to the uh, every aspects, whether it's the rapture or joy or bliss, yeah, when you attain form concentration. So this can only be overcome when you attain. This comes from nibbana. 
only when you attain Nibbana, then you have this, and then you can overcome even the uh, craving and attachment when you have your uh, jhana. Thoughts or questions? <coughs> or too confusing to have any questions? <laughs> uh, so, so having said all this, so this fulfills the explanation of the text. So, uh, what does this mean to us? Okay. Um, so just now I gave the example about when we do meditation and we sit and then here pin, that pin. So basically if you if you meditate up to a certain point, uh, then you experience this serenity of the body and mind. And in the past you cannot sit properly. Okay? When that arises, you can sit properly. In the past you are easily drowsy and when you try to overcome drowsiness, you cannot overcome drowsiness. Drowsiness overcome you. Then, when you meditate and tranquility and serenity arise, hey, or even though there's a bit of drowsiness or it arises, hey, you are able to overcome it. Yeah? You are able to subdue that drowsiness. Uh, so. At this point, can you all understand this part? Can you understand this part? Huh? Everybody can understand this part? Can it can make, can make sense? You, you, you make, can make sense? Everybody? Okay. Huh? So, the gross heaviness, gross heaviness, chuzong is, is the, the thing about yoga chara school is that there's a lot of terms. Yeah. But don't worry about the terms. Okay, it's just a it's just a label. So it's it's just a term to describe all the things that prevent you from doing your meditative cultivation. So it includes the five hindrances yeah, that can obstruct you. It includes any any other defilements that can obstruct you from uh, attaining your jhana or your concentration okay so up to this point for most of us when we meditate and if we have a bit of tranquility that tranquility is with flow yeah why is it considered to be with flow because it has only the element of concentration but not necessarily with wisdom. And so, when you have a bit of that 
nice feeling and comfort oh, and you put in so much effort to attain it it develops uh, it leads it can lead to it can lead to craving and attachment yeah, it can still lead to craving and attachment because when you attain this uh, this is co- considered what we call worldly uh, attainment yeah. so uh, think of the the things that you are attached to yeah, that you are you, f- you hold very close to heart um, if you attain jhana even just first jhana it will be even more precious to you than whatever you find precious that is how powerful the, 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 that that uh, the attainment itself is you will become so drawn to it and from this uh, the, from the experience of first shana itself uh, without wisdom uh, keeping up without wisdom it leads to uh, another kind of desire and attachment it subdues the desire of sensual pleasure, yeah, the first five senses. But this itself is very desirable. So, if you if you if you talk to two person, one person never meditated before, one person meditate until, not not to mention first jhana, close to first jhana. Then the person who never meditate before, you ask them to meditate. Maybe they can meditate also, but they don't see why it's so interesting. And they need to put in effort to want to sit down and close the eyes to the whole colorful world. It needs effort. But once the person has uh, moved, meditated until become like the second person, the second person, even close to first jhana, not even first jhana yet, start to experience something different something that is uh, you cannot just go sing song and buy you cannot go shopping center and buy yeah and it's it's a different kind of uh, pleasantness that you have never experienced before and so wow it draws you yeah and so because of this uh kind of like uh, then your interest in the five senses become lesser then you have more interest towards sitting so it becomes uh, in a way positive cycle if this continue then what happens one day touch this jhana then what happens at that moment, during that period, your uh, whatever memories or, or interest in the senses is just, ah, what is this? Before that, occasionally still, ah, but once you, then it's quite subdued. But once you get out of the jhana, then 
depending on how strong your 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 meditation is, uh, it may last for a period of time. But after a while, if you don't frequently enter into jhana, we are we are very forgetful beings. Uh. very forgetful. Uh, if you don't keep on doing sitting, then after a while you forget. Yeah, because the moment you wake up, you can see things. You don't have to put in effort. Our eyes can see. Can see nice things, not so nice things. Nice things like not so nice things you don't like. You can hear, hear sound. You can hear music. You can hear, hear people talk. Yeah, you can smell. You can taste. So this is very ready. If you don't enter jhana, you are basically entering into the sense world. And then from the sense world, is the is the opposite of jhana. So if a person repeatedly enter, 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 at some point, ah, yeah, this is so good. And so this tranquility here can overcome the grossness there. And this is only considered. Let me go out of the limb to tell you. Ah, uh, this is only considered grossness, heaviness, with respect to attaining jhana, with a respect to cultivating. By itself, you cannot say that it's gross. You cannot say it's heavy. If you are a person, not not you are. If someone is a person who want to sleep, like to sleep, don't care about concentration, then it's not heaviness. It's heaven. <laughs> it's nibbana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once you have attained the jhanas. Whether it's first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana, this helps you overcome that. But once you attain it, it become it is so attractive, it draws you to become attached to it, and that's why it's called yolo chingan, because this kind of tranquility can still lead to problem. In this case, lead to. More desire, but no more desire for, for the senses, but desire for the concentration for the jhana, jhanic bliss. So, how to overcome this? Uh, wisdom must come in. So, in in Buddhist meditation, there's always this part that we call vipassana, that help us to, to, overcome all this. So, the vipassana is not just about overcoming worldly things, the worldly things we think of, because in Buddhism, even jhana is considered worldly. Yeah. Jhana is still considered worldly. Yeah, so, in the Buddhist teaching or in the practice itself, at some point, uh, there are parts of the teaching that help us to. Overcome even our attachment to concentration by highlighting the shortcomings of concentration, shortcomings of jhana. But for for just like I mentioned two person, for a person who haven't even attained jhana, uh, don't tell them about the shortcoming yet. <laughs> uh, tell them about how good it is, uh, how wonderful it is compared to sensual pleasure. Then once they are nearer, or they have attained, then you tell them, ah, okay. By the way, there's a problem here. Yeah. Yeah, so, 
it is in this way, step by step, that we progress. In one of the sutta, the Buddha described a simile of a pack. Simile of a pack. Um, so, how to describe this? <coughs> he say it's like uh, if you have something, um, if you have a small hole, and you want to put something bigger in, you don't try to put it in immediately. You put something that can fit in. Yeah, and then you slot it in. Then you take the other one and you know you to replace that. Slowly you replace it, replace it, replace it. Uh, then it becomes. Then you can fit in the bigger one. So you replace sensual pleasure with first jhana. <coughs> then first jhana replace with second jhana. Second jhana replace with third jhana. Third jhana replace with fourth jhana. Fourth jhana then you can replace with nibbana. If you immediately, from sensual pleasure, try to replace with Nibbana, for most people it's a bit hard. Yeah, it's a bit hard. Yeah. So, uh, this is another angle to describe this, this table here. Yes? This one can counter drowsiness is over here. Yeah, this one you can counter drowsiness, can counter defilements, can counter the five hindrances. So yolo chujong. This is referring to uh, when you attain jhana, then you have craving for jhana. Uh, you have craving for jhana. So you cannot use jhana to overcome craving for jhana. Yes, both can. Ah yes. So this one is the one with wisdom, this one is the one without wisdom. Yeah. So here this is purely talking about those defilements that obstruct you from uh, meditating. To meditate, you, you just need to focus. You don't, need, you don't really need wisdom, really. <laughs> so, of course, here we, when we talk about wisdom, we are quite specifically talking about the, the nature of of all things and the like, universal characteristics and so on uh, so whereas when we uh, when we try to meditate we try to overcome the five hindrances you free yourself from the the senses and then you just apply yourself keep applying yourself yeah? be mindful recollect the, the object just keep bringing the mind back to the object So samatha part 
uh, compared to Vipassana has no wisdom. So, so this this part here. Yeah. So drowsiness. Now you must know that over here it just only mentioned about Huan Chen, yeah. Only talk about Huan Chen here, yeah. But uh, it, it shouldn't just be Huan Chen, yeah. Five hindrances. Huan Chen is only one of them. Drowsiness is only one of them. But does that answer your question? Can say that, yeah, yeah. So, so the left concentration can uh, suppress the performance, whereas on the right side, the vipassana meditation can actually get rid of the performance. Uh, uh, yes, you can. This one can suppress. This one can eradicate. Yeah, but both can deal with it sufficiently so that you can attain. Uh, you can uh, enter jhana. Wu Lo Ching An already attained the form and formless state. Uh, right, right. May not be. Uh, yeah. uh, may not be. Uh, the sure formless state may not, may not be. Yeah. The first thing I heard is that the form and formless state they already attained. Uh, when you say attain, what do you mean by attain? No, you see, I, I write down here, I only write down Nibbana. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I, I write down Nibbana. Uh. Yeah. Yolo, Chingan, this is where the form and formless. Uh, form and formless under this. Uh, yeah. Luckily, you clarify. <laughs> yeah. Form and formless is under this part. From Nirvana, uh, uh, how do you describe and then you know that it's Nirvana? <laughs> In the, uh, let me quote Bhante Dhammaratana. He say, uh, or rather from the Sutta, I think there's mention about mango. Mango? Yeah. It says, it is like the taste of mango. No matter how I describe to you, 
it's not the same as the actual taste. <laughs> So instead of trying to say, uh, let me ha- let me try to help you with the questioner. Instead of asking, how does it feel like to be in Nirvana? Uh, in a way, we can s- say that, how is it like to be in Nirvana without suffering? But then the question becomes, how is it how how is it like to be without suffering? Uh, that one cannot be described with words, really. So the way to know that you, are, you have attained nirvana <coughs> is not to try to compare feelings, but rather to to um, to go through a rigorous process um, Let me correct myself. I'm, I end up describing the way to attain enlightenment. Um, Very tempting for me to tell you when you attain, you know, lah. <laughs> uh, but literally, literally, there's the xie tuo, jie ding hui, xie tuo, xie tuo zi jian, wu shen fa shen, the five factors of the um, of the dharma body. Yeah. So when you attain xie jie ding hui, then xie tuo liberation. The next moment, you have awareness and knowledge that you have been liberated. Yeah. Uh, it is like uh, let me give you a worldly example. Uh. It's like you cyc- you learn cycling, cycle, cycle, cycle. Uh, 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 uh. Then one moment you are uh, 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 uh. one moment. Eh? The next moment you ah, I know how to cycle. <laughs> But um, saying that to me, if someone tell me that, right, it's not satisfying enough. So if you recall, uh, in the past few weeks, I I think whether is there was once in SGC in the urban retreat, then I think once in SGC and once I don't know whether it's I can't remember whether it's Thursday or Wednesday class. But I describe the uh, in brief la, the process towards enlightenment, right? Yeah. So uh, you can use that as a as a guide. Yeah, as a guide. Because enlightenment don't just come Sunday. Eh, eh, enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not not like that. It in in most cases you should be able to to observe or, or to see. Uh, a shift, yeah, a shift. Mm. <coughs> but whether is it the, 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 the right one or not, you know, it can be you think, you know. Ah, uh, so yeah. so, if you uh, if you're not sure, let me teach you how. Go and find. Try to recall the uh, the irritating people in your life. As you recall you may recall how you were irritated in the past. But if you're enlightened, you should not note, you should not see any irritation arise. Uh, so there are some people in the Buddha's time and even 
later on, uh, they wrongly conclude that they are okay already. So then later on, then they encounter something that, oh, <laughs> so they know, okay, I'm not enlightened. <laughs> yeah. So this is related to the Chinese Zen tradition. In the Chinese Zen tradition, it always talk about, oh, this and that, and, uh, Zen master, Kai Wu. Uh, but not all of them are Kai Wu, awakened to the same degree. Some of them are awakened to the fact that they are not awakened. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because of the uh, my handwriting. Uh, that's why you all can understand. <laughs> when when nothing works, blame it on the handwriting. <laughs> Can I, can, 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 yes. <coughs> what is your low chujong? Ah, so uh, when uh, when a person meditate, the the factors of the okay. Let me describe it two ways. Uh. the first way, then we, we use the sutta. Okay, when a person attain first jhana. Once a person attain first jhana, enter into first jhana, uh, the the power of the jhana overcomes the five hindrances. So in this case, the five hindrances is the yolo chujong. Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, step by step. This is the fan lao chujong. The five hindrances is the fan lao chujong. Yes. So then. Having overcome that, uh, the mind becomes very quiet. Uh, actually, sometimes it's hard to say which one comes first. Uh, sometimes it's spontaneous, together, simultaneous. So the moment the mind becomes tranquil, then it overcomes that. Then the mind becomes drawn towards this, this new form of experience. In the text, it's called joy and rapture. Uh, so this joy and rapture uh, is just words. Uh. For the longest time, I last time when I first learned about this, I, oh, okay, joy and rapture, joy and rapture. Then one day, it came to me that, eh, what I understand of joy is not the same as what you understand of joy. No? If I say that, hey, or if, if someone tell me, sifu, the day when I meditated on, I saw a piece of A4 paper appear in my mind. Then I asked, is it like that? Ah, yeah, 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 this kind of A4 paper. But uh, let me feel, oh, yours is 80 gram. The one I saw in my mind uh, is 100 gram. <laughs> then, then, but it's smooth like yours. Uh, and yours is uh, a bit maybe bluish, but that one is a bit beige. Uh, roughly. Well, we can say that okay, we know what each other is talking about. But <laughs> when you look at the the text describing the jhana, qing an la, joy and rapture, xun si xi le xing yi jing xing xi le. In English translation, commonly translated as joy and rapture. Uh, 
So the joy part is supposed to be how the mind feels. Rapture is supposed to be the bodily high. I, I, I call it high. La. You cannot find high in any Buddhist text. La. But I will, I will describe it as a high. <laughs> okay? Uh, so, um, but be, even before you attain first jhana, you can get a bit of high already. Yeah, but the high in the first jhana is even higher. Okay? And so, uh, I, I mentioned five factors. Uh. You can search the, the suttas, five factors of jhana. Uh, you see this, this five. The first two, uh, one translation is applied and sustained thought. Then, some other uh, there are some other translations also, but in Chinese it's xun si, mm. uh, And again, if you just go and take this word and search Chinese dictionary, you, you'll be even more confused. Yeah. But let, let's hold these two first on uh, one side. So, when the mind is uh, has entered jhana, it is because the mind is has been trained for a while to be free of uh, to be able to say I don't care about the senses I don't care about whatever I see or whatever I've seen I don't care about what I've heard or what I'm hearing I don't care about what I smell or what I've smelled uh, I don't care about what I taste or what I've tasted I don't care about how what I feel bodily or what I have felt before. In this way, the mind is gradually trained up to a point free of this, this uh, stimulus. It's, it's not that he become coma, but the, the mind is disconnected in a way. The funny thing is that when the mind is disconnected in this way, then rapture and joy uh, arise together with the mind uh, causing the mind to become eh, wow this is quite interesting and then the mind becomes drawn towards it and is able to, f- to stay with it focus and become very stable leading to single pointedness yeah? so to say the way I describe it is like wow this happened then that happened in many cases sometimes it's, it's actually simultaneous so um, so far, we haven't I haven't touched on this, okay? I haven't go into the description yet. But actually, this yolo chuzong is actually this, the tranquility, the tranquility, and all these factors. In particular, rapture and joy, or joy and rapture. Because this joy and rapture, this joy and rapture. Uh, depending on which direction you are going if you are going from no concentration to concentration it is uh, a supporting factor to bring you to stability and to establish jhana okay and once this becomes stable then the previously you have to put in effort to overcome the senses once this arises the five hindrances but this itself because it draws you in 
what happens when you are drawing? We, we become attached to it. We become attached to it. And so, this becomes the Yolo Chuzong. Because we uh, yu So the joy of rapture is becomes the yolo Yes. And that tranquility at that point is also considered yolo Yeah, because this this feels so good, ma. Uh, and that's why it cannot be used to overcome itself, nor any of the factors. So then, then earlier I mentioned about from first jhana to second jhana. Uh, for first jhana, the the earlier ones is overcome. Uh, so first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, all this. Whenever you enter any of the jhana, you can overcome the hindrances uh, of sensual pleasure, uh, and in fact, the five hindrances. Um, but you enter first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana. Uh, first, all this, uh, the second jhana, you can overcome uh, first jhana. So you can move from first jhana, second jhana. Third jhana can overcome the trappings of first and second jhana. Fourth jhana can overcome the first two, first three jhana. But it cannot overcome itself. So, to overcome all this, then you need the serenity without flow. Yes, uh, that's nibbana, and nibbana is considered without flow because, while well, it, you can say it draws you to it, uh, because you must have the desire, the effort to attain nibbana, right? But when you attain the bana, it doesn't lead to attachment. It leads to non-attachment. Don't bring your question to bed or to grave. <coughs> oh, okay, Pana. Uh, I have one question. Ah, I yes. Something uh, else earlier to the example okay. uh, he gave. Uh, basically, uh, it's seeing enough. He said that he, he said that when you uh, you don't contemplate option A, B, C, and you don't work it out, why did this craving arise in order to work with it? You are aware, so you are able to reconnect, mm. and it naturally occurs to you. So my question is, uh, how is insight and how is this understanding, this uh, knowledge of rather lack, uh, removal of ignorance happening? Uh, is it by thought? Is it uh, by just the, the function of sixth consciousness, the noting, the noticing, the knowing nature? And uh, on a related note, uh, is directed thinking ever? Applicable, uh, ever advisable, contemplating. Ah, okay. So, uh, so 
early on, HK asked about uh, when unwholesome thoughts arise, then uh, how do we know? Uh, is it okay to think about uh, what caused it to arise? Sometimes we we don't know. Yeah. So then I my re- my reply earlier was that uh, instead of thinking about it, it should be a recollection of the states. Yeah. So then your question was. Um, is it a function for us to be able to do that? Is it a function of removal of ignorance? Uh, I get that this is removal of ignorance, but how, oh, yeah. how is this mechanism happening? How is yeah. ignorance being Yes, then you mentioned uh, one which is uh, through the sixth consciousness. Was there a first one that you mentioned? Yeah, first is sixth consciousness. First is sixth consciousness. Then second one? Thinking, directed. Uh, directed thought. So what I described earlier uh, can be said to be a function of the sixth consciousness. Yeah. Uh, but in this case it is basically um, um, it's actually mindfulness. Yeah, it's actually mindfulness. But not the way we usually hear the description. Yeah. So mindfulness means that you are aware of each moment but that's the other part of it which is that because you are aware of each moment and you are always bringing your mind back to the that moment to the present moment of whatever is happening later on if you want to you you would be able to recollect the various moments yeah. so this is basically a function of mindfulness sati is simply knowing that such and such events are good enough for understanding them? Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes and no. So, um, just now I mentioned that instead of just thinking about uh, what arise, what is causing it to arise, uh, I suggested to, to be able to do it the other way. So the <coughs> it doesn't mean that there's never uh, an opportunity for us to do reflection. So in the case of doing reflection, uh, it is not simply sitting there and then letting our own ideas to be creative to think about a way, but rather to reference the teachings. Yeah. So for example, uh, the, in the text it says that uh, there are various kinds of uh, thinking that can lead to restlessness. Yeah. Uh, then there's uh, yeah. So thinking about one's uh, country, thinking about one's family and friends, then thinking connected to uh, to uh, harmfulness, thinking related to hatred, thinking related to desire and so on. Uh, so these are based on the, the teachings. So um, if you are familiar with that, then at some point we have thoughts. Let's say we have uh, some unwholesome, unwholesome thoughts related to desire. And then 
without even doing the reflection, we should be able to discern that ah, prior to that, uh, maybe I was in, in contact with uh, some desirable objects, and then I entertain some thoughts to it, and as I think about the features, uh, there's two terms. Uh, one is the uh, one is the brief feature, then the other one is the detailed feature. Yeah. Then by thinking back and forth on these two levels, uh, then desire arises. Uh, so this is another way. Uh, but doing the contemplation part uh, can supplement what what I mentioned earlier, which is that in the teachings, it doesn't just tell you that oh. These are the conditions that give rise to the, to the desire. Then it says, well, since you know that these are the conditions, then, number one, avoid these conditions a very direct way. Number two, uh, instead of reflecting on the example of desire, instead of going into the feature of how nice this is in brief and in detail, uh, go and contemplate on the opposite contemplate on the foulness of this object. Yeah, so the, the contemplation part can come into play in this way. Yeah. So not just involved in identifying it, but eradicating it. Okay? Yeah. Yes. Trumping, oh, trumping, uh, trumping. Mm. Uh, so, if a person were to practice samatha and then later even practice vipassana, and by practicing vipassana, and again, I must highlight when we say vipassana, it's not just about Theravada meditation. Vipassana is taught by the Buddha and is retained in all the different lineages. Yeah. But today, when we hear vipassana, we tend to think of Mahasi, Goenka, Pao, these are vipassana. Yeah. Then uh, other groups, no, not, they are not vipassana. Yeah. But vipassana is a term that refers to the set of practices to see things as they are. See what things as they are? Nama, Rupa, as they are. So, uh, there was one time I gave this description. Um, so, Vipassana compared to our usual, our usual uh, uh, is our usual mind is like a like a movie producer. Give you a give a movie producer a camera, then it will make a story out of nothing. But uh, uh, vipassana practitioner also have a camera, but use it as a, like a 
documentary or a journalist. But of course, nowadays when we say journalist, uh, <laughs> sometimes they make stories. <laughs> Meaning that in Vipassana, we make use of the mind to capture what is there as it is, unadulterated, unmodified as it is. But our normal state, we also capture. But after capturing, we, we paint, we apply filter, you know, we, we make, make a lot of changes. And we make a lot of changes. Then for Samatha, <coughs> uh, for Samatha, it is a supporting element for Vipassana. So, also have a camera. Uh, remove a lot of the colouring and filter but it just focus on one thing just focus there uh, and then don't go and don't uh, give rise to understanding of what is there just stare, stare blankly uh, so for Vipassana with the support of Samatha once you are able to stare blankly then after that you stare at it and you observe how it is actually impermanent. And you don't just observe that it's impermanent, you observe how it ends up in being impermanent. You observe that the way it comes about. You keep on observing the way things come about. That all things come about. Nothing just exists. You observe that all things come about. And because of the way they come about, it is always impermanent. So it's not just about, it's not that you have to go and observe the impermanence of all things. No? It's that you observe the underlying structure of how things come about. And you see that it is truly fabrication. It is truly un it's truly conditioned. That all things really really come about due to conditions. And because you see the underlying principle and work for all the things, then you are you be, then you become utterly convinced. Without having to go and look at the whole world. Because you look at the underlying principle. to think that to be very honest with you I used to think that oh you have to go and observe that everything is impermanent then how the Buddha never see iPhone before does it mean that the Buddha have attachment towards iPhone have ignorance towards iPhone iPhone doesn't exist right? unless you are saying that unless somebody will say no, no, Sufu, Buddha 2,600 over years ago observed into the future and observed all the iPhone already. But that's a bit contrived uh, to me. Yeah. So it's not so much about 
having to go and observe every single thing to know that they are impermanent. But to observe that the underlying structure of all things, yeah, the way all things come about, the mechanism, the, the manner it come about, leads to the conclusion, the understanding, the seeing that it cannot be permanent because of the way it come about. But this, this, these words are just a concept. Uh. It's different from if you really go and observe the underlying structure. But in the so while while um, re, you recall there's a sutta that I, I referred to that Zhuoping recently just highlighted in the Heart Sutra I mentioned about the Sambha Sutta the all so in the sutta someone asked the Buddha the all the all what is the all meaning all phenomena, all things, all things, what is this all things about? So the Buddha said, beyond eye, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind, beyond uh, the forms, smell, form, sound, smell, taste, touch and body uh, and mental object, beyond uh, eye consciousness, ear consciousness, no consciousness, tongue consciousness, body consciousness and mind consciousness. Yeah, beyond the the twelve uh, bases, the eighteen elements, you cannot define anything else outside. All things, the all, yeah, encompassed by this. So, um, instead of having to go and observe and contemplate on everything, you just go into the fundamental and then observe how this fundamental arise yeah. uh, last time when I was in US someone asked me because in, in my tradition in our tradition we say that uh, some arahans they attain uh, constant form and then formless concentration and then they attain arahanhood. Some of them attain form concentration and then they immediately enter and they attain arahanhood. So then one of the monks asked me, uh, so for those who never attain formless concentration, so how do they overcome the craving for formless concentration? So, I remember that the question was asked when we were in the, in the corridor outside of the meditation hall. And then I thought about it, then I told him, it is like overcoming uh, greed for money. You don't have to say, oh, I overcome uh, uh, greed for US dollars, but I haven't overcome <laughs> greed for for sing dollar, then I must overcome for euro and British pound. And if you overcome the underlying greed for money, 
yeah, it covers everything. It covers everything. So, um, in the same way, um, the it is to go into the underlying principle and the structure, and then it encompasses all things. Otherwise, you sit there. Yes. At first, you quieten your mind, don't think of so many things. Then, in order to do vipassana, oh, I must think about everything in the world. Then, how about all the human beings? Do you have? Do we have to overcome our attachment for all human beings? Cannot. <laughs> how to look at all human beings? Yeah. But once you overcome attachment to human being, it covers all human beings. Of course, in our worldly life, when a person uh, gets down by another person, then they may say, <laughs> I'm sick of relationship, never going to fall in love again. Then next week, ayah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why? Because it is not true uh, revulsion, not true liberation. <laughs> Just partial. Only liberated as far as that. that Guy or girl is concerned, yeah. But at that moment, it's so sure. Yeah. That or oh, found this one. Okay. Uh, it need, needs time to digest. Uh. Oh. so go back and digest. Uh, huh? Is the clock wrong? Hey, it's really nine thirty already. Uh. <laughs> I, I, did, I wasn't going to stop but I was like okay that's <laughs> oh, did, did we really spend so much time hey, did I start late I mean I start just a few minutes late right how did we wow. <laughs> two hours <left. laughs> huh? same topic same topic very <laughs> Anyway, I, I, I have I have uh, something to rant about. Yeah. So just now on the way here, uh, I had a very some, many times the journey before and after class is actually very interesting. So earlier I had an interesting conversation uh, and uh, part of it was about uh, about how, um, how, how Buddhist societies and temples, how we are not able to attract youth. Yeah. So uh, many people have told me, Shifu, you know why we cannot attract youth? And it's not just one person. Quite a few person told me, Shifu, we need to have more music. We need to have some dancing. Then we can attract young people. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is quite, quite clear la, that uh, many of them are referring to churches. Some of them just tell me straight, uh, straight ahead. So today I told... Uh, I, I share. I say, 
I've been telling people the way forward is not to follow judges. The way forward cannot be about that. Uh, for one, no matter how much music you play, how much dancing you have, it cannot be the same as pub. You want to listen to music, you go to pub. Can you make can you make Buddhist library like the pub with flashing music, then got smoke, then the dim light? Cannot no? cannot ma. I don't think any Buddhist society is going to do that. But let's say, let's say, okay, let's say, not Buddhist library, but some temple in the in an attempt to draw you, wow, really try that, okay? Have concert, have music, sing song, that's so on. So I said, so the trouble with this approach is, in the end, you know what will happen? Uh, those who are really serious about Dharma, they will run away. Then those who come because of the music, come halfway, because because it's a Buddhist temple, ma. so, oh, no, no, then halfway, Namo Tassa, then Palasin now. So I, 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 sh- I shared today, I said, the number one reason why uh, there is this draw is actually not about the music or the dance. It's because there are boys and girls who are dressed. <laughs> I was told recently that another monk say, say a funny story. Uh, but okay, I, I tell you the story later. So the number one draw is because there's boys and girls and they can mingle and interact and hey, hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> how are you? Uh, it's because they can do that. I mean, since my time, uh, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, in secondary school, a lot of young people go to church. Not because there's... Last time, th- there's no all those fancy food, song and dance yet. But why? Because... <laughs> obvious, uh, Why g- boys go? Because... Uh, can... Uh, so I say... Imagine if you have have concert la. but when they arrive, they see old people. <laughs> then they see everybody wear haiqing, wear haiqing concert. Cannot, <laughs> cannot, So let one So I say, we we need to change, but the thing we need to change is not to have concerts, to have song and dance. We, there are things that we can and should change but these are not the things to change there's a reason why like even in this class I don't specify oh, guys sit one side girls sit one side then guys must sit in front girls can sit they can only sit behind yeah um, you have no idea how many temples would frown if you go there wearing sleeveless Right? Y'all try like y'all try, don't believe. Don't 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 tell people I ask you to try, okay? Y'all just try. You wear sleeveless, go in. Don't have to be spaghetti strap, huh? Some 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 people drink talks if I say spaghetti strap they whoa, this monk, whoa, how come he talk about how come he knows spaghetti strap? I'm like, hey, I wasn't born a monk lad. <laughs> and I'm not stupid also. <laughs> you know, and just now I mentioned earlier before the class. 
when I when we go to the university NTU NUS to give talks, when you go to a campus, boys and girls, what do they wear? They don't wear the things that people wear to the temple. They wear short shorts, short skirt. I even have one student who tell me, Sifu, you don't mind me, uh, I always come to the, the, the temple in pajamas, pants, uh, because I don't have any other pants. <laughs> Can you blame young people for dressing the way they dress? Everybody dress that way, what do you want them to do? I, I'm not saying that you all should go and change your dressing. <laughs> but these are things that we uh, we should address. Oh, but last thing, last thing, last thing, is we are all selfish. We are all selfish. And I read a message to to the, the person who drove me here today, and it's about how a student of mine, her nephew, is studying in NTU PhD, twenty eight years old, and he, she says. This nephew of mine at this age should be full of life and have interest in many things and maybe, you know, pato and stuff like that. But he's not interested in anything and he only plays games. So, in her opinion, and, and mind you, uh, she only started attending SGC for a few sessions because of the retreat. Then she texted me and she told me this. And she said, uh, in her opinion, her nephew can actually come and attend SGC and benefit. SGC is this group cultivation that I conduct on Sunday, 1 p.m. If you're interested, you can uh, like. <laughs> but then, what happened? She feels that the nephew can benefit, can come and attend and actually learn something and be more positive and confident. But other family members don't agree. They are afraid, they feel that if he go to the temple, later be what, uh, how, how, did, how did the person say, uh, like that, how, what if he become a monk? In the end, we are all selfish. When you hear of someone going to, you know, laugh and become a monk, Wow, sadhu, sadhu, san zai, san zai, sui si gong de, wow, zan tan, zan tan, well done. My son cannot, my son stay at home. <laughs> Go temple for what? Learn so much, Lama. <laughs> We Sunday once a year enough. <laughs> this is this is why Buddhism will go from forty four to thirty three to twenty two to eleven to five to two to one one percent. Left only the monks and nuns of Buddhists. <laughs> because monks and nuns come from lay people. If you cut off at the at the root, gone. No, no more, no more Buddhist. Because we cannot, a sifu cannot just produce a monk on that, on my own. <laughs> I need lay people to come, then, then insp- they get inspired, then they become a monk. Nuns also, yeah. We cannot go and clone a monk or nun, <laughs> yeah. So, but this is something that we can go on and on. But I feel that I must. It's my duty to share this with all of you. So if you all have, uh, usually those who attend Dharma class regularly, you all shouldn't have this problem. It's those who don't attend. And unfortunately, you know how many people don't attend? Do you know how many people don't attend? 
less than less than five percent of Buddhists attend Dharma classes. I can tell you because ten percent is hundred fifty thousand. So five percent is seventy five thousand. And I'm actually bumping it up. Eh? <laughs> I don't think we have five percent of Buddhists attending Dharma classes. So imagine ninety-five percent of Buddhists actually just copy, 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 copy. My child, uh, be quiet, quiet, but don't become a monk. Hazard, <laughs> 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 Yen